0: You're visiting the mom next door and our stories of faith. I'm glad you dropped by for a visit. Please stay a while and hear what the Lord has done in the lives of moms just like you and me. As we begin this testimony time today, I'm sure I don't need to remind you that not all stories have pretty beginnings. There are some difficult pieces of content in today's episode, so mamas, you might just want to put your earbuds in. Okay, let's get started. Welcome friends. I am so happy to have you here. You found the Mom Next Door Stories of Faith, and I'm your host, Pam Fields. Before we get started, I want to jump in with just a little bit of housekeeping. I never remember to tell you guys this, but I do actually have a website and I have a mailing list. So if you take a minute to jot this down or actually find it in the show notes, I'll put it in there and you can just click on it. My website is called TendingFields.net. And I would love it if you go over and see what resources I have to offer. I've done a little bit of writing there. It's been a few few years since I've been updating things, but in a new year, maybe I can get a little more out there if I know that you are there checking in on me. So, also, when you're on the website, if you'll go down, scroll to the bottom, there's a place for you to put in your email address, and you will be added to my email list. My goal is to send out one email a month to just stay connected and get to know you a little bit more. You can get to know me a little bit more. And so, I would love it if you'd find me over on the website, and I'm also on Instagram at Tending Fields. All right. So as we get started today, I really just want to ask my guest, Kelly, to step up to the microphone and introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about where you came from, maybe your childhood, and then we're just going to move into your story.
1: Okay. I'm Kelly Ellis. I'm a Christian licensed therapist, because I believe that you have to combine the biblical with the clinical in order to get to get what you need. As a Christian, Um, I've been doing therapy for 11 years. I absolutely love it. Uh, would do it for free if it paid my student loans off. <laughs> <laughs> and then I am a mother of two children, adult children, daughters, 28 and how old is she now? 23. I am a wife. We are celebrating 30 year anniversary. Just celebrated our anniversary, December the 11th. My childhood, I grew up with an alcoholic father and a mother who had what they called then manic depressive, mm-hmm. um, but we now know it as bipolar. So there wasn't a chance that I was going to be getting my emotional needs met. Basically struggled along my childhood, um, moved from place to place, many different times, all within the same kind of town but just a different house and sometimes I had to change schools and stuff like that and then it was just me and my brother and I practically raised my brother um he's three years younger than me but if you ask him who raised him he will tell you that it was his sister Mm. because you know we're generation x we're latchkey kids and Mm -hmm. from the age of probably nine, I was getting off the bus and letting ourselves in the house and taking care of my brother and myself. That's just how yeah. we did. it. Didn't think anything of it. That's just how it was done. Right. It was. I remember my
0: mom would leave a casserole in the fridge and we'd get home from school and check what time it was, go get a snack. And then after watching TV for a couple hours, uh, we had a VHS machine. So sometimes we could watch a VHS and then we'd pop that casserole in the oven, sit down and feed ourselves dinner and then uh, start on our homework. So yeah, I'm, I'm tracking with you there.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, You know, my responsibility was to get me and my brother off the bus, get us in the house and then fix us a sandwich or something for a snack, get our homework completed and then get dinner started. Um, Now at nine, I wasn't getting dinner started, but that's kind of was. And when I was 12, I was getting dinner started and, and basically cooking dinner on most nights. And at that time, I was actually getting us up for school as well because my parents weren't third shift. So, Mm. (laughs) you know, that's how we did it. Didn't think a whole lot of it. But in that time, being raised by an alcoholic and an unstable mother emotionally, you know, you just learn to walk on eggshells and you develop these bad behaviors because that's learned behavior. Mhm. As a teenager, I couldn't wait to get out of our house.
0: <laughs> mhm. So was there a faith element in your home or oh. were you guys
1: not religious at all? My grandma would take me to church when she could, my dad's mother. At that okay. time my mother's mother wasn't going to church either. And I remember when I was 8 years old I went to vacation Bible school and I came home and I was so excited because they picked us up on a van. And I came home and I told my dad and I was like, I got saved tonight at church. And he said, don't worry, it'll wear off.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I asked him if I could go use the pay phone across the street. Um, because we, at that time we lived in an apartment and I don't think we had a phone. Um, so I had to go use the payphone and I used the payphone and I called my grandma and I told my grandma all about it. And she was so encouraging and she was like, I am so proud of you. And I told her what dad said and he said, she said he should know better. That's not true. After that, she would come and pick me up for church, not every Sunday, but most Sundays. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's how I learned about God. That's where I got my Bible stories at. That's, mm-hmm. you know, going to church with my grandma. Mm-hmm. But at, in my home, it was not talked about at all.
0: That is a real encouragement for all of us listening. Like the kids in our neighborhood, the work that we put in for mm-hmm. a VBS or a backyard Bible club or after school good news club program, those have dividends, right? Yeah. That is an investment. Like when you're in the middle of it, sometimes it's like, you know what? I could think of other ways to volunteer or do I have to volunteer at all? Life is so busy and hectic, but that is an encouragement that, um, there, there are results from that and those deposits that we put in and for your grandmother to put in those deposits, Mm -hmm. that is just, I love hearing that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I also, at that time, we lived in an apartment complex, so there was lots and lots of kids. And I can't remember the name of the church, but they started a Big A program is what they called it. They called it the Big A Club. And so we had these necklaces that we made a Big A on and we would go every week and they would meet with us in our community center building and they would teach us about God and teach us about like practical life skills and mm-hmm. things like that. And it was really encouraging. And I, I do remember going to those groups and loving those groups. Mm-hmm
0: hmm so, okay yeah.
1: so then you were just going to take me into your teenage years uh, well unfortunately at 13 i was date raped um after i had been dating somebody for six months and he was older i should not have been with him but back then they didn't too many people say anything about that he was 18 mm. and so at 13 i shouldn't have been hanging out with an 18 year old that's ridiculous. Um, <laughs> but we were dating and I remember discovering something about him and asking him a question about it. And he just kind of turned on me. Um, so I was date raped by him. And then I came, it took me about six months to get away from him. Cause he lived with my grandma. I lived across the street with my parents right across the street from my grandma. And that was my mom's mom, not the grandma who took me to church. That Turned me against God. Cause at that time I was going to church with my aunt and uncle. And I thought I was doing everything that I was supposed to be doing. Like I was mm. going to church. I was living, I was being a good girl. You know, I didn't, he had asked me about having sex and I told him I didn't want to have sex, that I wanted to be, I that I wanted to wait till my wedding night. Um, And then he just didn't respect that. But I thought I was doing everything right. And then that happened. Yeah. And then I didn't have anybody to really talk to about it. Mm -hmm. And so I just for a while didn't believe in God or Mm -hmm. didn't Mm -hmm. wasn't sure about God, I guess I would say. So it was kind of still down deep in my heart. And even when I would say the words, I don't believe in God, something would like stick at me and be like, oh, maybe that's not true.
0: Um, Right. But you were sorting it out. It was definitely something that you had to
1: sort out for a while. Yeah. I was very upset about it. And I had all this anger and hurt and pain. Then I met my husband that when I was 16 and he was a a Christian, not living a Christian life at that time, because he was 20 and just in college. And so he was living the college life, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but his parents were very good Christians and they had such a wonderful influence on me um so I started dating him we met the only night of the year that we would have ever met because Mm. my mom had asked us to take her to go see ghost and she said if you'll do that I'll let you stay out past curfew so we dropped mom off and mom was like yes be back at 2 a.m oh wow that was late curfew (laughs) oh yeah because my curfew was 11 o'clock at 16 yeah (laughs) yeah you know it was back in the day This things did not was not the same yeah yeah I would not allow
0: my children that at this point right we've learned I did not allow my daughter
1: either (laughs) (laughs) but that's what it was that was accepted so she said okay you have to be back at 2 a.m and I was like okay and so we went out in town and he was talking to me and then we went off and clocked in his truck. And before I knew it, it was four o'clock in the morning. Oh, <laughs> oops. And um, he was like, well, if I ask you out, would you say yes? And I said, yes, I would say yes. And he said, if I ask you for your phone number, would you give it to me? And I said, yes. And I gave him my phone number. And he said, I'm going to call you tomorrow at noon. And I was like, sure you are. Okay. This is a college guy. He's not calling me yet tomorrow, but he did. <laughs>
0: And here you are 20 years later, or no, what did you say? 30 30 years later.
1: It'd be 33 years, actually, like from the time we met till now. Yeah. We've been married uh, 30 years. December the 11th was our 30th anniversary.
0: So after you got married, uh, did you start going to church then? You said for, you know, he was in the college life. He wasn't doing church
1: right then, but once you got married, you guys did? Actually, a little bit before we got married, we had started going to church with his parents. Mm-hmm. I just really found, fell in love with God again mm-hmm. um, and was, was doing my best. And then we had been married close to a year we found out I was pregnant with my first daughter. And then we had our second daughter four years and nine months later. Okay. Megan is my oldest one and Sydney is my youngest.
0: So how did your introduction to motherhood go? Was it like everything you
1: expected? Uh, were, were, did you find yourself prepared? In the beginning, it was. I had always wanted to be a mother. I'd always saw myself as a mother. I promised myself that I was never going to do the things to my daughter that I did, that my mom did to me. Um, and so, yes, when they were little, it was amazing. Mm -hmm. But then when my oldest daughter was eight years old, I lost control one day
0: Mm -hmm.
1: for lack of a better word. Um, Mm -hmm. Something triggered in me. I still, to this day, don't understand exactly what it was, but I heard her and I didn't mean to. Um, And it was like having an out of body experience. It was like, I was looking at myself going, what are you doing? And it was just a very scary, very scary thing. And I immediately stopped and I took her up in my arms and I started hugging her. And I said, you know what? I am so sorry. I promised myself I would never do this to you, what my mom did to me. And I am, I am going to get help. And she said, it's okay, mommy. I still love you. And I said, Mm -hmm. well, I love you too. And she Mm -hmm. went off and went to school that day. And I went in my room and I cried Mm. and I was like, God, I don't want to be the monster. I don't want to be a monster. I don't want to be like this. This is not who I am. I said, I, there's got to be something I can do. I got to get rid of this anger. And God began to take me through this process of what I now know as narrative therapy as a therapist. But at that time I had no idea what it was.
0: I've never heard that term.
1: So tell me about it. Yeah. Narrative therapy is where you write letters or you write stories about things that has happened to you. And it's just a way of helping you really process it. Um, Owning your own truth, basically.
0: You're telling your own story. You're telling your own story. You're not telling it in like a third person as an observer. You're telling it as it's you. Yes,
1: yes exactly first person and so how god started with me is like i was i was like crying and like god you know i can't do this i'm not gonna do this to my kids just let me die this is how it's gonna be because i'm not gonna do this and he started walking me through this process and he said you're right that's not who you are that's what you learned that's Mm. was the words he told me wow And he said, he said, I want you to sit down and I want you to write your mom and dad a letter. And I want you to tell them how be, how they made you feel. You need to own your truth because the truth is the only thing that will set you free. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, that was the, probably the hardest letter I ever written Mm -hmm. was telling my mom and dad how much they hurt me as a kid.
0: hmm hmm
1: And it was, it was very difficult because, you know, as an adult, what we do is we go, oh, well, mom went through all of this stuff and dad, and she had mental health issues and she couldn't help the way she was. And so I can forgive her and I can understand. And that's all well and good because that does help you get to forgiveness, but that does nothing to heal your inner child. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And your inner child cannot be ignored to acknowledge that there really was hurt rather than just
0: put some, put some frosting on the top of the cake and cover up the, the dents that have been, the craters that have been made. um, We need to, to heal that.
1: Exactly. Exactly. So owning my truth, after I finished my letter to my mom, I just felt like this, weight lifted off of me it was like that's it's, it's so true and when you write it down I mean it's in black and white so it's no longer you know you can't deny it <laughs> anymore it's there and it is your truth and as sad or as hard as it is to look at it is your truth and that kind of sets your inner child just kind of at peace because somebody is finally validating All of these things that you experienced, whereas when you was a kid, you certainly couldn't talk about it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, no, it was not safe. And if you talked about it at school, you were scared DHS was going to be called and maybe DHS needed to be called. Um, But you were scared and that was going to take your family apart and you wouldn't have your brother. And, you know, you have all these thoughts. So it doesn't feel safe to share with somebody at school. It doesn't feel safe to share with an aunt.
0: Because that would probably start a whole series sequence of unknowns and it sometimes feels so much safer to stay in that which you're already in because the unknown is unknown and unknown is fearful, right? Yes, Um,
1: exactly.
0: I want to clarify here. When you're talking about writing down your truth and Mm -hmm. sharing your truth, I think we have heard this terminology, your truth. And you're not saying that we are creating truth because we know God's word is truth. So maybe another word for that might be writing down your story and acknowledging the story, the facts of the situation of what truly uh, transpired. And so you're not talking about like creating your own truth that is apart from God's truth. You're just talking about your story.
1: Right. Right. And how you interpreted it and what was going on with you at the time as a child.
0: Yeah. Interpretation is a big part because your truth, your story is from your perspective. And if your mother or your father or your sibling was to sit down and they were to write their story, that would be what is true for them, their perspective, and how they interpreted it. But we're not talking about your truth as in separate from biblical truth
1: right exactly yes your story how you remember it from your from your perspective because right. you know as a therapist kid I've had clients sit across from me and say I don't even know if this is true but this is what I remember and I'm like it honestly doesn't matter whether it happened or not if you remember it it happening that is your, your belief that, that's your belief. That's what you, that's what you experienced. If that's how you remember it, that's what you, that's what we have to deal with
0: because then we're responding according to that interpretation and that memory we're responding. And the next thing in our life will be built on that. And so we can't just assume it wasn't
1: there. Exactly. Exactly. And that's why I say that, like, I tell my clients, you do not have to give your letter to your parent or to your sibling or to the person that hurt you because their interpretation and their perspective may not be the same. Right. Yeah. Right. So
0: did you, did this set off like a series of letters then? And then through those letters is where you kind of found some healing where you, uh, you weren't in counseling at that point, or you
1: weren't a therapist at that point. I was neither at that point. Okay. I was neither. I was not in counseling because back then counseling was very frowned upon. Yeah. Um, and it had a very terrible stigma that went mm-hmm. with it, uh for mm-hmm. whatever reason. Yep. And so going to counseling was like terrifying. At right. Thinking about sharing your thoughts and feelings with a perfectly for the with a stranger who was right for right. some reason I thought was going to tell me how to live my life. Um <laughs> you know, it was scary. Yeah, And then, uh, but yes, God did take me. So after I wrote the letter to my parents, I then wrote a letter to my younger self. Mm. And in that letter, I validated how that little girl felt Mm. that she felt like she was scared of her dad and that she was scared of her mom. And she was afraid of messing up or doing something wrong or saying the wrong thing or whatever it was. And I was able to own all of that and validate that little girl. And then I got to be the words that that little girl needed to hear, which Mm -hmm. is that you are loved no matter what. Mm -hmm. That love is not conditional. It's unconditional. Mm -hmm. Things like that. And so I was able to heal that little girl. Mm -hmm. Because you went back and spoke truth
0: to counteract the lies that that little girl had been believing some lies. yeah. And when we believe lies, we need to exchange that for what is actually true.
1: Yes, exactly. And they become core beliefs. Mm -hmm. When you believe a lie as a child, that becomes a core belief of yours Mm -hmm. is that I'm not loved or I'm not good enough or I'm not special or whatever it happens to be Mm -hmm. that becomes your core belief. And that belief affects every part of your life, even as an adult, even as an adult, because if I get down and I really think about it, I think my daughter refusing to eat her bowl of grits that day for whatever reason triggered in me Mm -hmm. that I wasn't good enough, that I didn't, Mm -hmm. There was something about me that was wrong. And then right. I then took my frustration out on my daughter. Mm-hmm. And that was not fair to her. It wasn't even fair to me because it wasn't even true. What I was feeling about myself was not even true. It was just lies. Right. Right. And and I believe that Satan, of course, uses those lies against us because he brings them up at our every thought. <laughs> Mm -hmm. You know, when we try to pursue something good for ourselves or when we try to walk in the direction of God, you know, those core beliefs will say, you know, you're not good enough to do that. You're not good Mm -hmm. enough to run that program or be in that ministry or, you know, look what you did as a kid or this or that or the other. And we just believe those lies. So we don't even challenge it. It's just our automatic way. It, It becomes an automatic way of thinking.
0: Yeah. But the enemy is out there. His goal is to seek, kill and destroy. Right. Yes. And yes. so uh, the way we battle that is with truth, God's truth. And yes. we know that it's not physical weapons. It's not physical wa- warfare. It is a uh, spiritual warfare, Absolutely. which often does take place in our mind. And it it is interesting. I I agree that there used to be a lot more of a stigma around counseling. Mm
1: -hmm. And,
0: and I think that we've made some really good strides in the last 30, 40 years to say, (laughs) you know what, it, we need to address this, you know, God created us body, soul, spirit, emotions, and Mm -hmm. we've been able to do better at that. Absolutely. One, one thing I notice is, and I wonder if you can help us. Um, I think a lot of us were raised in that and there was like this stifling of emotions. I wonder if you've note you noticed that, that there's a lot of us who have learned to just suppress them. Like our emotions don't exist. Like emotions are yes. wrong when yes. actually God gave us our emotions with mm-hmm. a purpose.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I see that all the time. And you can develop even like through attachment styles and and things of that nature. You can be an avoider, which means I don't deal with conflict because I'm not going to face my emotions. You can be too into your emotions, too. You can also become very in tune to your emotions and and let your emotions lead you instead of you leading your emotions. Mm -hmm. Um, That's also true and those people will say, you know, well, I just don't have any control over it. That's how I felt about my anger. I didn't Mm. feel like I had any control over it, but it was amazing that after I did my final letter, which was the forgiveness letter, Mm. where I had to forgive my parents for what they did. And God took me through this four-step process because this wasn't just about, I forgive them because I thought I had forgiven them because of, back you know a rationalizing of all that they went through and then of course i did but there's a fourth step to that forgiveness which is what good or what was the benefit how how did that that happen to you how what is the benefit of that and you think well child abuse there is no benefit to that but the way I see it is my mom could not handle her emotions. She was completely out of control of her emotions all the time. And because she was the way she was, I became strong. I can mm-hmm. handle just about anything. Like there's not much you can't put on my plate and I can't find a way to handle it. Right. Right. But I would not, I don't know that I would be that way had I not had to deal with my mom. Now I'm right. not saying that that was like it excuses it away or makes it that that was god's design because i don't believe that because like you said satan is out to seek kill and destroy but what god does is he takes what satan is going to do seek kill and destroy you and if you will allow it and you will obey he will turn that into your biggest message Yes. So he
0: takes that adversity that you have suffered and mm-hmm. he redeems it.
1: Yes, exactly. And that is why I am a therapist, because I I started out as a children's therapist thinking that I would be able to help children. However, what I found as a children's therapist is the parent wants you to fix the child. They're not worried about working on themselves. mm. At least very few are. Right. And so you're not really helping the child if you're not helping the parent. Do you see that the first step,
0: like the first, somebody who's unfamiliar with counseling and maybe mm-hmm. has no experience with it, do they usually schedule something for their child before they recognize that they need to come in? Or or does it work yes, more one way than the other? Work.
1: Sometimes it'll work that way. Okay. Um, but most of the time, no, honestly, okay. most of the time when you have parents that are abusive, they justify it and they see that what they did, you know, that they, they don't necessarily see what they do as being wrong. Sometimes you'll have those parents that are like, I'm repeating the same behavior that I had that was done to me. And I really want right. to change. Right. And those are great because those are great to work with. Mm -hmm. But I just felt like as a children's counselor, I was just in court all the time. Oh, wow. That's how it felt. Like I was just in court saying dad did this. Mom did this, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I didn't feel like it was very effective. So like, parents would come to you with a concern for their
0: child, the child would be in counseling and you're looking and evaluating and going, we need to peel this back a step before, because yes, we do need to work on this stuff with your kiddo, but Mm -hmm. there are some parts in your own life that need to be healed in tandem. And Mm -hmm. um, so that might've been like a, a wake up call to some parents that, you know, I never realized that. And it seems to me right. that's the way God works, isn't it? Like yeah. we see things in our children and we want to help them refine and fix their junk. And mm-hmm. then there's a mirror being held up right at us. And it's like, yes. yeah, we're going to learn this together. We're going to walk through and both of us uh, need
1: some yes. refinement here. Yes. Yes. And I do work with teenagers now and I love doing that with teenagers. Like I love taking the parents aside and saying, okay, this is what your, you know, what do you think your child is feeling when you act, when you say these things or when you do this, when you do this particular thing, what do you think that message is to your child? Hmm. And that seems to work on a different level. But when I was working with kids, I was very young in my counseling. So I didn't have all the tools and resources that I do now. So that, that too, I've learned a lot too over the years of, you know, counseling, I've learned about self-sabotaging behavior and, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. all of these things that I wasn't clear on, I guess you could say clear enough to teach. I'll put it Mm -hmm. that way. Mm -hmm. Like I am now, but Mm -hmm. I'm also 11 years in now. So, right. Do you find that there are some topics
0: that are more prevalent or relevant? I'm not sure what the word would be like um, a lot of moms. I know I've talked to a lot of moms that deal with anger and that is mm-hmm. one of the, I would guess that's one of the top ones. Are there a couple others where you, where you
1: really see that played out? Well, first of all, I'd like to address if you're dealing with anger, there's probably unforgiveness somewhere you probably need to forgive someone for something. And it may not be consciously apparent, but it's subconsciously Mm -hmm. apparent because Mm -hmm. anger, while anger is a real feeling, Mm -hmm. anger is also a, a, what I call a surface level feeling. Mm -hmm. It's easy to get to. It makes us feel powerful and in control. When we're, when we're there, we usually suffer great remorse afterwards, but most of the time, It feels like we, that is a, that is a feeling that doesn't make us feel weak. It actually makes us Mm. feel powerful. Mm. So it's an easy feeling to get to, Mm -hmm. but it's usually much deeper Mm -hmm. because I wasn't angry at my daughter for not eating grits. There was lots of things that went before that. (laughs) <laughs> right right I was angry with myself I was angry with my parents I was angry with the guy who raped me I wasn't angry like I was just angry right and all of that that all of that unforgiveness was what was keeping me angry mm. and not letting me go so you were at yes a level of
0: anger that was kind of like always running. Somebody was talking to me one time about, like, if you, you picture your phone, right? And mm-hmm. uh, it's just not running well, and, and it's taking forever to load things. And and then when you go look and see how many screens or how many tabs you have open on your phone or on your computer, all these tabs are constantly running, and they're sucking up battery life and response time and all that, right? So, right. So- If we can take and close down some of those tabs, then we will then be able to function better. So you had all these things mounting up, like anger tabs open in your life. Mm -hmm. And it just kind of came to a point where you're like, I need to slow down and manage those and and systematically close some of those off so Mm -hmm. that I can focus and, and do what I want to be doing, not that which... I'm just responding
1: to. Right. Right. Yes. And after that, I got way better at controlling myself, Mm -hmm. especially physically. Like, but I was still a yeller, unfortunately. Mm. Um, And I didn't learn those things until actually I went to counseling. Mm. And when I went to counseling and I started working through some stuff because as your children age, different things trigger in your life. And so maybe you did that letter that one time over this situation of when you were a little child. But then you become a teenager and your daughter do- or your children become teenagers. Other things trigger that you didn't even think about back when they were little bitty. So you didn't even know that those were impacting your life necessarily. And so you have to revisit those things. And maybe do another letter. But when my daughter was uh, a teenager, it really triggered in me because I got kicked out of my house for asking my mom to go prom dress shopping, which sounds terrible, but it was just the truth. I'd ask her that night and she was not in a good mood. And she's like, why don't you just ask me in the morning? I don't want to talk about it right now. I mean, it's prom dress shopping. What is wrong with that? You know? So when I was prom dress shopping with my daughter, with my oldest one, I just cried. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. while she was trying on prom dresses, because I was Mm -hmm. thinking, why would a mom ever want to miss this? Yeah. Like, there's nothing in this world that I would, that could happen that would make me want to miss my daughter trying on her prom dresses. You know, yeah. this just doesn't seem real. And yet it escalated into such a fight between me and my mom that I ended up getting kicked out of the house because she was having a bad reaction to her medication. We found all this out later. So I ended up having to go live with my in-laws. Now in-laws, they weren't my in-laws then. Um, But I went and lived with them because Mike was away in college. And so I went and lived with his parents, but it felt so foreign to me because they loved me and accepted me and wanted to take care of me, like threw me a surprise party. Cause I'd never had a surprise party threw me a mm-hmm. surprise party. It was so nice. Um, but it felt so foreign to me that mm-hmm. I hated it mm-hmm. because it was peace. And I didn't know what peace felt like that. Yeah. It was always chaos in my house. It and was retraining what, your brain as to what to
0: expect and, and your, even yeah. your body and how to respond being cared for.
1: Yeah, exactly. And it was so far. And I was so like, it took my mom three months to contact me to find out that I was okay. Um, and then we had lunch and then she asked me to come back home and I went back home because it just felt so foreign And Mm -hmm. when you say, when you asked a while ago, you know, is there certain things that, that really bring on, like most people come in for a anxiety or a depression or a, um, anger issue or, you Mm -hmm. know, problems in a relationship, you know, that want to get solved marital problems or whatnot. And if you really peel it all back nine times out of 10, it boils down to their attachment style. Mm -hmm how they attach to their parents Mm -hmm. if it was a good attachment a healthy attachment or
0: -hmm. if
1: it was not a good attachment Mm -hmm. um and dealing with those attachment styles is truly what helps you heal peeling back those things and finding out like because your self-sabotaging behavior is actually ill coping skills that you used as a child to survive your childhood and you can come from a perfectly good home and still have unhealthy coping skills Mm. um you know of how you saw yourself so like people pleaser for example if Mm. you're always pleasing everybody else and you're never trying to do anything for yourself well that creates anger
0: and resentment
1: Mm. Mm -hmm. because you're doing and you're doing and you're doing but you're not getting anything back Mm -hmm. Well, that's because you were taught as a young child that your worth is in what you do for others, how you serve others, whether it was serving your parents or serving the school or serving the church or, you know, whatever. That is your worth instead of Mm -hmm. being in just who you are Mm -hmm. and who God created Mm -hmm. you to be. Mm hmm. Well,
0: I feel like we have just uh, kind of scratched the surface a little bit, and we we've put a couple words out there. I think the other one a lot of moms identify with is overwhelm, and mm-hmm. uh, I don't know that overwhelm is an emotion. Maybe it is, but yeah. I think that that is something that's highly identifiable, and you know we could make a long list, but I think what this boils down to is if you as a mom are struggling with some of these thought patterns, um, you, you know, um, you, you have that vision of the mom you want to be, but you're just stuck in the mom that you are. And you, you do find yourself repeating some of these patterns, um, Mm -hmm. I hope that this has given you an encouragement to maybe step in and find a counselor, find a friend you can share with and and take the steps needed to be a healthy mom, because that will help you raise healthy children and a healthy family,
1: right? Absolutely. And I want to end on, I, I just want to, this is what I tell all my clients that, Sometimes we all find ourselves stuck in a box. It could be depression. It could be anxiety. It could be overwhelmness. It could be anger. It could be past trauma. It could be grief. But anytime we find ourselves stuck in a box, we need to find our way out of it. Because when we're stuck in that box, all we see is the four walls around us. Mm -hmm. So it's my job as a therapist to come along, tip your box upside down Give you a new perspective. (laughs) That's all I'm out to do. I'm just going to help you find a new way of looking at it. Yeah. Yeah. And then I'm going to give you strategies, resources, and coping skills. So you don't Mm -hmm. get back in your box.
0: Mm, Well, thank you for your work that you're doing. And, um, I know that's, that's going to breathe life into a lot of ladies that are listening today. And I do want to make sure they can find you online. I will link these in the show notes. So it will just be a click away, but can you tell me your website or any of your
1: social media handles? Okay. Well, as we're speaking today, I'm just creating these things. So, um, currently I can be found at Kelly Ellis on Facebook, that's K-E-L-L-I-E-L-L-I-S. And then you can always get an email at kelly at discoveringhopecounseling.org. And then my website is going to be discoveringhopecounseling.org. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. I would just encourage any mom who feels like they're struggling with anything, that you're not alone, that other people have struggled just like you. Yeah. Yep. And, and the longer we live, I think we
0: recognize that perspective a little bit more. It's hard to see when you're in the thick of it, but when we step back a little bit, yes. I think that we find that to be the case for sure.
1: Yeah. The group wants to isolate us and make us feel alone, but there's a community out there, whether it's mm-hmm. a support group, a group mm-hmm. of friends, a church, a community, I just encourage you to get involved.
0: Mm. Well, and ladies, if you do not have a place in person to go and meet with other ladies, I sure invite you to join me over on the Facebook group called Tending Fields Moms Group. And I'd love to just chat with you. There's a lot of ladies over there that want to encourage your heart and pray for you. So so stop by, meet us over there. And as we close out, Kelly, would you just pray for the ladies listening and and the information that we are absorbing today from this session? Yeah.
1: Father God, I just thank you for each and every one of the listeners today. I just ask that you wrap your arms around them and show them love and who they are in Christ, because it's they're not defined by their past. They're only defined by, by who you created them to be and what your word says and their identity in Christ and mm-hmm. nothing else. And so, Father God, if there's anyone out there that is struggling, I just want you to give them an extra dose of love today. And I ask that you encourage them to seek out help that they need, because, yes, you can heal us from all things, but sometimes we have to work it out ourselves, not not on our own, through you and with you, but we have to work it out, because in that workout. We find and discover who you really, truly created us to be. So Father God, I just ask that you just be with these ladies and help them be the best mothers that they can be in Jesus name. Amen.
0: Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We'll see you next week. Bye bye. I hope that you've been encouraged or challenged in your faith today and that something we discussed prompts you to grow deeper in your walk with the Lord. If it has, make sure you tell a friend so they can grow along with you. And if you or a friend would like to be a guest and share about God's faithfulness in your life, please email me at podcast at tendingfields.net. Because when we tell of God's faithfulness, we never run out of stories. Whatever is true.